Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a land. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. 10.05 here on your Sunday morning. Sports Sunday here with you till 11 o'clock. Text us on the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. Tweet at us. The station's at 1080 The Fan. I'm at Mike Lynch 27. Rashad is at TaylorMade503. And Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. And then also on Facebook.com slash 1080 The Fan. We put a post up there about the Celtics Sixers trade giving Philly the number one overall pick, which we talked about at length in the first hour. And you can find that on the Les Schwab Tires podcast at some point after the show. Here in hour two, we will do Hate or Love It at 1030. Uh, we will also get to the fight, which is officially happening in the next segment. Um, and a little love to Oregon State, who won yesterday coming up as well uh, to advance to the next round of the College World Series. And I have to go to the loser's bracket, which is good. Uh, but this is normally where we'll do Rashad Rance, but he's feeling very happy and calm today. Man, so I'm chilling today, man. And I'm, I'm not mad about nothing. He's not angry. I'm mad about nothing today. So we will we will take a week break from that and return to it when there is something that he's passionate about. But this gives us a chance to get into the future of the NBA discussion we've been teasing and not getting to yet. And I think Rashad was the one who brought this up earlier before when we were prepping for the show. And it's an interesting conversation because the Warriors and the current state of the Warriors and the fact that they don't really have to worry about any change until – what is it, two years from now when Clay Thompson's deal is up? That's about it. Because Steph's going to re-sign this year and uh, to probably a max contract. Kevin Durant said he's going to take less money because he did that kind of LeBron sectioned off one or two-year deal with player options so he can keep making the m- amount of money that fits him and fits the team. And uh, Clay Thompson's up next in two years, and Draymond's on one of the best contracts in the NBA because he was locked up for like six years last year i want to say mm-hmm. and at a pretty low affordable rate so looking at that it looks like at least for two years if not more this team is going to be the team to beat in the west they will probably win the west every year they'll probably make the finals every year which sounds boring but it's true but what what rashad said in the beginning was this basically 
it changes how you have to create your team now. It, there's always been super teams, right? There's always been this, these, these teams that are a confluence of talent all the way back to the early Lakers, the early Lakers, quote-unquote, back to the Celtics with Larry Bird. And we forget about that, that uh, 83 Philadelphia team that had Dr. J and had Moses Malone yep. and had, you know what I'm saying, some of, some of those guys. Mo Cheeks was a really, really good player in the NBA. So, I mean, you f we forget about a lot of those teams. That's what the NBA has been, right? But for the first time in a long time, it feels like nobody has a chance. Mm -hmm. And even when the Bulls were winning a lot, there were these competitors that they were, the Bulls were beating that you were like, oh, well, maybe Barkley and the Suns can win, right? Or maybe the Blazers in the early 90s could win. Uh, there was always, like, this thought that it was a possibility. Now, I mean, I know some, it was the same. You know, you got Jordan and Pippen and Rodman. You're like, ah, they'll win every year. But it, it, it feels even more undoable now. Um, and it, it's, it, it's going to force teams to change how they build because – how can you compete with this? And I think that's the, the the main question. You look at either either conference. You know, if you're in the Eastern Conference, the story is how do you beat Cleveland? And Cleveland's looking at things going, how do we beat Golden State? And the only way to do that is by you have to build these super teams. And I hate the name super team, but you just kind of – you got to you got to get know, as many stars on one team. You as know, you can. the reason LeBron was asking for everybody called, called it crying. The reason he was asking for so much help is because he saw the team that he just struggled with in the NBA Finals at the second best player in the league. We need more, is what he was saying. You know, we just barely beat this team sans Kevin Durant last year, so they added him, and now this is a problem. Yes, he's going to need more than Kyle Korver. Even the great LeBron James is going to need people to put around him. And I was I was having this conversation with people just in regards to LeBron, like, man, there's no top 50 player on his team outside of LeBron James. Like, you know, you look at Golden State, possibly two of them, you know, quite quite possibly, you know, Steph, top 50, probably. Uh, KD, top 50, absolutely. You yep. know what I'm saying? I don't think there's any real question about that, but I think everybody's trying to catch up with these teams. So if you're Chris Paul and you're looking down the barrel of the end of your career – San Antonio looks like a good idea because at least I get to play with LaMarcus and Kawhi and a couple silent stars that'll just go out there and kind of do their thing. I think most players at this point are going to start looking like I, I'm not. we're not going to be able to win in Milwaukee. Let's just be perfectly clear. There's no future for us winning in Orlando right now. The Knicks and the, and the, the Atlanta Hawks aren't going to be able to be very competitive this year. And so you look at all the teams that have the potential to be good, and it's just a matter of them adding an additional star. We're talking about Boston possibly adding Gordon Hayward. Why? To be able to beat LeBron James or Blake Griffin. Cavalier or Blake Griffin. You know, you're talking about the uh, Chris Paul possibly being added to the Spurs. Why? Because they are trying to figure out how to beat the Golden State Warriors. Like, that's that's where we are right There's now. There's also been Chris Paul to the Rockets rumors. Imagine him next to James Harden. I don't know if that works. No? Two ball-dominant guards. But Paul passes and passes and passes and passes. Nah. Uh, I don't know. James Harden's, uh, I think he's a, he needs a guy that's going to be able to shoot for him. That's his big thing right now. If he gets a, a, another shooter, another score, maybe a wing score, that's what that would be what best helps the Rockets right now. I don't think they need another ball-dominant guard. I guess here here's the problem, and I'm a big fan of parody in sports, and I know that sounds maybe a little stupid coming from a Yankees fan, right, because the Yankees won, won so much, but... Um, I'm a big fan of parody in sports. I love when different teams win, and every team, it feels like, has a chance. 
because of this, you're going to look at it and you're going to see 25 teams who have zero chance. Yeah. Zero. Because if let's just let's just say this happens, right? The Clippers crumble into the ether and you get Blake Griffin, he goes to the Celtics and Chris Paul goes to the Spurs. Um, you have Gordon Hayward leave the Jazz, who are a young and up-and-coming team, to go wherever he goes, whether it's the Celtics or not. That erases contenders. The Clippers will be done. The Jazz will probably no longer be a scary team who is a four seed. They'll probably float down to the six or seven area, right? And it will leave you with four teams, maybe five, who could possibly challenge the Warriors and the Cavs. And I... I know you kind of already have that. I know you kind of already have just those couple of teams, but at least in the beginning of the year, for a lot of these young teams, there's hope. Of course. Right? The, yeah. the Everybody's Blazers, talking championship. The, the Blazers have been built on hope. Now, I think Blazer fans know that they're not going to beat the Warriors, right? You know that. But you also think, well not this year, but the year before you got up to the four seed and you had a good young team. You, you could be one of the, you could get up to be one of those teams that maybe has a chance to compete. But I even feel like now, if you start doing this, you're not even going to have that hope. It's just going to be a bunch of teams that are going to feed these top four or five teams in the regular season and then lose in the playoffs. And it's just going to be this endless cycle right now. You've got, you're, you're right. You've got 25 teams that are just irrelevant. You know, the MVP is coming from Oklahoma city who, is irrelevant, you know, for the most part. Uh, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the, the the Nets, the the Magic, the Knicks, Hornets, all irrelevant. Nobody's going to play there. Nobody's going to play there. But what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing guys like, um, who, I'm, I forget the point guard, uh, Kemba Walker leaving Charlotte to go to Boston or to go to San Antonio. You're going to start seeing... Uh, the best players from these from these other teams say, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna take my talents to Los Angeles, or I'm gonna go ahead and go to Houston, and I'm gonna go. That's what you're going to start seeing, and it's sad because again, if we thought the NBA had no parity now, just wait till all the guys play for the, the same teams. And well, it's, <laughs> it, it's it's for, it, here's a text that came in. What about the Celtics in the '60s? This is how it's always been. This is how sports work. Yes, but there were eight teams in the 1960s. You, you try like, to get the best team. Should the Warriors turn out Kevin Durant? Jealousy rules. No, they shouldn't turn, turn down Kevin Durant. Um, of course, every team should be trying to build the best team they can. This has nothing to do with Durant or the war. Like, I, I get it. I, I just don't like it. As a fan, I don't like it. I was, I was personally dreading Warriors-Cavs this year. I know that there was the great conversation of three years in a row, and like it was, there was some intrigue to it, sure, but I don't want to watch the same two teams play every year. I don't. It has nothing to do with the the teams and them doing it. It has to do with the way the NBA is set up to allow it to happen. And I understand that it's always happened. I understand. But it's even worse now. Yeah. It is worse now. There's yeah. it, it's it's just boring. It's 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 that's what that's it's how made. I it's, feel. It's made it incredibly boring. Um it's made it incredibly predictable. Um, we know this is pretty much going to be a best of 82 game series uh, this year between Golden State and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, unless something drastic happens, you know, LeBron leaves, you know, something crazy this summer. This is what it's going to be. And this is really what we're going to be looking forward to, because which team in the Eastern Conference right now is 
built to beat Cleveland. No one. And, and this is assuming Cleveland makes a move during the offseason and maybe adds that additional piece. Now they know they have no chance to beat Golden State. So what's that going to do to the, to the already terrible Eastern Conference? And then you look out west and the fact that Chris Paul may be leaving and going to uh, San Antonio or possibly Houston or something like that. What does that do to the, to the Clippers? Gordon Hayward's leaving. So that's two top four uh, seeds in the West that won't look the same yep. next year. It's just, it, it's a big shakeup and just be prepared because I think this is what we're looking forward to. The Dallas Mavericks were the last pure team to win a championship. I think the craziest thing too, maybe the Pistons, you could include them in that. In that hey, Golden bit. State's first championship was a, that team was Golden drafted. State, yes, yes. Cause, because they, they, they drafted them They all. built through a draft, yes. I think the crazy thing for me is I, I'm in like the minority with that opinion that it's boring. Because the, the finals set ratings records and viewership records. People want to see this. And I'm, I'm, very I'm very curious from NBA fans who liked it, why? Why do you like that everything is, is nothing until the finals? That's months and months and months of you watching the season for an, a result that's going to happen no matter what. It's like you're watching for the who finishes third through right. 30th. And like, why, that's why, not why? I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong because obviously a lot of people are on that boat. I just, I think it's boring. This is why people prefer football more because in football, even baseball, in baseball, man, the Royals can go from the worst team in Major League Baseball and a laughing stock to the World Series champions in a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like in football, you can go from, and it happens every year, you can go from one of the worst teams in your division to playing in the Super Bowl or playing in the championship game prior to the Super Bowl. So that's just the way it works, and that's why people prefer football and baseball over the NBA. That's one of the reasons they do. This text says, I hate that small market teams are playing and building to be relevant, not champions. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, that's what it is. You don't want to be you don't want to be rooting for a team that's just trying to stay afloat. You want to be rooting for a team that's building towards something better in the future. Well, and think about what you guys are saying. All these moves that you're talking about to make other teams relevant to be contenders against the two teams we have right now. Nothing against Chris Paul, but Chris Paul's getting old there's only so many so many years he has left on those those knees you yeah know? but you've seen the spurs resurrect old careers before <laughs> it, you have uh, uh, you have yes it's just when you think about it these are old pieces that are moving around and when you think about what the warriors are right now the warriors are relatively young their oldest player is kd basically so and he's I mean, what 28 29 yeah. so uh, he might even be a little older than that i could be wrong but um let me just double check my facts here. Kevin Durant is 29, I think. Where is it? 28, actually. I was right. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're young. And that's the scary part, too. It's not like they they loaded up on veterans. Remember the Lakers team that got um, what was it, Carl Malone? And Gary Payton. And Gary Payton, but they were like old, old. Yeah. They had they had tried for years with their teams to win and they couldn't, so they went to the Lakers. This this team is young. They're all really young, and that's the scary part. So I don't know. If, if, if you are a person who enjoys this and likes it as the Warriors and Cavs and the Super Teams, explain it to me, please. Uh, Bridgeport Beers text on at 55305. I'm just genuinely curious because I, I just I find it boring. I want there to be intrigue. And I guess the reason why it doesn't care, I don't care about the Yankees because I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a fan of the team. So if your team's winning, of course you don't care about parity. You want your team to win. Just like for you, Rashad, as a Patriots fan, you don't care if the Patriots win every Super Bowl and it ruins the NFL because your team's nope. winning every year. Yep, every year. But for all of us who are rooting for the Blazers or are covering the Blazers, this sucks. 
And for 95% of fans in every sport, when that happens, it sucks. So why do you enjoy it? And why were there so many viewers? Um, because it just, it was hard. It was hard for me to, to, to care because I just knew it was inevitable. I knew it was going to happen. So text your thoughts to the Bridgeport Bears text under 55305. We got a break. Uh, coming up next, the fight is happening. Is it a good or a bad thing? We'll tell you next on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, I guess the, the commercial break knew that we went long and wanted us to have some modicum of a segment for this. <laughs> well, fine, commercial gods. We will have a little bit more of a segment for this. The Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight is happening. We, I, I kind of assumed it was just going to happen, right? It was getting talked about so much. I was like, ah, they'll, they'll figure this out. They want to make a boatload of money. See, I thought it would be a problem just for it getting going just because you don't see too many inner promotional let alone intra-sport you know events this is like nba and nfl deciding they're gonna do like a a, a, a basketball game together or like a you know I mean? something something crazy like a combine together so it's super strange to see uh ufc and boxing who have really tried their best to separate themselves from each other um kind of get to get, get together in this crazy way so I'll, I'll let you say it because i I will say this. I'm not a fighting fan. I have never been a fighting fan. I've never really watched boxing. I remember I went to a friend's house for one pay-per-view. I think it was Mayweather versus Oscar De La Hoya back in like 2007 or 2006 is the last boxing fight that I have watched. Uh, I do not like or I don't dislike. I just don't care about MMA. Again, I don't like fighting. Um, it is pretty brutal for me. It's just not something I want to watch. I've seen... Um, I haven't watched the fights, like I haven't bought them, but I've seen the clips of Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. So like, I, I know what they do. I know how they fight. I've seen them. I just don't care to watch. So with that being said, I'll let you say, because you have a really interesting take on this, which uh, I, I do agree with, about how this actually could just be a bad thing in general for the sports. It's great for the money that these two guys are going to make, and it's going to get a lot of ratings and all that, but it might be really damning for some of their sports, it absolutely, those two sports. It absolutely could. And this could potentially be uh, really the, the death or the start of a slow death to one of these two sports. So you're looking at a situation where it's almost these guys are fighting not just for themselves but for their respective sport. So Floyd Mayweather Jr., um, we all know him, Money Mayweather, Pretty Boy Floyd, whatever you want to call him, career record of 49 and up. Um, Mayweather isn't like a lot of and I hate on him a lot just because I'm not a big fan of the mouth even though I am such a huge pro wrestling fan over the past few years I've grown to kind of like Floyd you know uh, granted I don't like a lot of his little stupid antics and you know all the little corny stuff and you know but as a fighter I've grown to kind of respect him for the simple fact that he's fought them all and he beat everybody he was supposed to beat he beat the De La Hoyas, he beat Pacquiao, he beat, you know, he beat all the guys that he was supposed to, Ricky Hattons and the Canellos and everybody that's supposed to be something in the world of boxing, Marquez, all those dudes, Floyd beat them. You know, I was at a Zab Judah fight in Vegas when uh, guys got in the ring and everything and he beat up Zab Judah. You know, I, 
I've seen him too many times beat up the very best. And then Conor McGregor has three losses on his record. You know, he's only got 25 total fights. But if you know anything about Conor McGregor, this boy can punch. And he's the type of dude that when he hits you, it looks like you feel it. You're going to stumble a little bit. You're going to fall off your mark just a little bit when Conor McGregor gets a hold of you. But here's the cold part, though. Conor McGregor is great for what he does in UFC. We don't know how he's going to do standing up and fighting with someone. Ronda Rousey was running through the UFC as the women's, as the Bantamweight champion. And once she got you in that arm bar, tap out because it was over. Otherwise, she was going to break your legs or break your arm. But once she had to stand up and fight Holly Holm, she got knocked out. Mm -hmm. She got pieced pretty quickly. My concern for McGregor is that he could potentially damn UFC by losing to Floyd Mayweather at his own game. Like, it'd be different if Floyd, if, if Conor McGregor wasn't the most popular person in the UFC. And we were talking just, you know, BJ Penn or somebody else, who was a really big name and a really good name for uh, MMA. But Conor McGregor, make no mistake about it, is the face of UFC and all things MMA. If he goes into this fight, which is a boxing match, with one of the most defensive fighters or the most defensive fighter we've ever seen in Floyd Mayweather, and he loses, what does this, what does this do to UFC? Like, what does this how, – how do they lose money? On the flip side, boxing, which is already suffering and dying for the most part, boxing is a it's, – it's a, it's a novelty store, you know? It's, it's a Halloween store. It comes around, it does business once a year, and then you won't see it again until the next year. That's the way boxing works. But Andre Ward, who's one of the great five fighters in boxing, had a fight last night, which he won, that nobody cared to see. That's just kind of where we are in, yeah. in the in the landscape of boxing. So if Floyd goes in there and he loses to Conor McGregor, boxing dies. Floyd is still the reason boxing's been suffering now is Floyd Mayweather Jr. decided to retire a couple years ago, and he's their biggest star. He's their biggest blockbuster attraction. There are no, there are no heavyweights anymore. That part is over. So if he goes into this fight on August 26th at the MGM Grand, which is Floyd's hometown, is his, his home field advantage, and if he goes in there. And he loses to Conor McGregor. Boxing, I think, has has taken his last last breath from there. I think I I would agree with that. And I don't know, at least in my opinion, I don't think MMA loses much or UFC loses much if McGregor loses because it's a boxing match. He's not supposed to win. It's not what he does. That's not his fighting style. He he fights with the entire body. He uses everything. It's all about just it's like a free for all in MMA. So I don't know if it if he loses if that loses much if he loses because yes it's the face of the sport but it's boxing but I 100% agree with you that if Floyd Mayweather loses to an MMA fighter in a boxing match where Mayweather is the best and the most defensive what on earth can boxing do or say to save itself after that it'll say we are now we are now inferior to mixed martial arts. Unless there's a huge heavyweight, you know, uh, explosion over the next year, nobody will care. You know, uh, boxing has, uh, since the weights, uh, weight classes have moved down and down and down, nobody's care. The, the, the interest has gone, you know, down the toilet because nobody wants to watch a bunch of 105-pound guys beat up on each other a lot of time. That's just kind of what it is. I mean, not to, you know, not to knock any of these fighters because I'm pretty sure any one of these guys probably whooped my ass, you know, if, if they heard me say that. But the simple truth is, man, nobody wants to see a, a bantamweight, a featherweight, a flyweight, 
and a lot of these middleweights fight anymore, especially when some of those names, the Haglers and Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard's and all those guys, you're not going to see heavy hitting 15 round fights like that anymore. So now you're going to see a lot of guys dancing around the ring. That's why people kind of gravitated towards UFC. But if McGregor can't box, this match is over early because Floyd doesn't have a lot of punching power. But if he catches you, he can definitely knock you out. Ask Canelo. And you you brought up, and this is, a, I really very much am in your corner where I feel like this is something that could make or break boxing because boxing has been on life support for years Absolutely. now. And and you had, you said that Mayweather's its last superstar, you know, they, they were kind of rolling on that Mayweather, Pacquiao names for, for so many years. I, I would argue that, that Oscar De La Hoya was your last real superstar. People, like, as 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 good as Mayweather has been, you know, he's an undefeated fighter. There's that argument that he's the best of all time. There's also the argument of how unentertaining he is to watch as a boxer. He doesn't have that style that people are entertained by, and that in itself has helped kill boxing. Yeah, he himself is the entertainment. Once he gets in the ring, that part is... That part is boring. He's not a, he's not an exciting fighter to watch. The excitement comes from everything that he does prior to the fight to kind of mm-hmm. keep you interested. Same thing with Conor McGregor. In the ring, eh, kind of vanilla, but incredibly effective, but it's this part. It's the yapping, it's the talking that he does that makes you want to see him win or get his ass whipped. One of the two. Well, the fight is happening. It is, what, August 26th, 28th um, is the fight, and uh, we will keep an eye on that to see what it means for the future of the sports. But it is just interesting, the fact that the two of the biggest talkers get to fight each other. So the lead-up will be kind of interesting for that as well. All right, coming up next, Hater to Love It. We do it every single Sunday at this time. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1035 on your Sunday morning. Hate it or love it is upcoming. Um, I've been off a couple of the last few weeks here. I've been in and out. So we haven't done the competition side quite as much. But the last time I was here, I remember winning. <laughs> and Rashad was none too pleased about it because. One like three was, in a row. Well, there was like a, a last point that he gave me in the last lightning round. Shouldn't have counted. That shouldn't have counted. I don't know. I, I can't because Jesse took a point away. I'm oh, terrible that's with right. names. I'm terrible with names. I'm sorry. I, I had nothing to do with the name. I forgot your name. You got your the statement wrong. was egregious. It was like really wrong. It yeah. was egregious. I forgot yeah. his name. I forgot the, my running back's name. That's what it was. You were a Patriots fan who couldn't remember Deion Lewis. Who was it wasn't your even Super Lewis. Bowl It wasn't MVP. even Deion Lewis. And no, it, no it, was, uh, it was White. See? Jesus. Couldn't even remember... Couldn't even remember White's last name. Hey man, I'm a drinker. <sighs> he was your Super Bowl right MVP. That'd be like uh, that Va- the 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 Von uh, the dude with the glasses. I don't the, know who you're the guy about. that was on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, Von, he was our him. Yeah, yes, him. Von Minkelstein. <laughs> well, after all of that wasting of time on this segment, which we're already laid on, um, Mike, would you like to go first or second? I don't like calling it wasting time. <laughs> I'll go second. All right, Rashad, you're gonna be first up. Sweet. Um, we'll bring back this Boston topic one more time. Egregious eight to nine first round picks over the next couple of years. We're not exactly sure how many 
after won't know until tomorrow roughly but between now and 2020 about eight to nine first round picks not even counting the like litany of second round picks that they have all the picks that they've had the roster that they have right now now is the time to package assets and make the play for a paul george or a jimmy butler um and you said the celtics right yes okay love um i think if you're the celtics right now uh you're in a position to move forward uh you're you're clearly not tied to the idea of markel Fultz, which is why you traded the number one pick the one thing we keep saying that they need is some perimeter help um what better perimeter help is there in the eastern conference than what i consider the second best player in the eastern conference and paul george so if you have all these draft picks and you have an opportunity to really let uh in uh Indiana, or for that matter, Chicago, with uh, Jimmy Butler, kind of, you know, start to rebuild their franchise with some of those future picks. You know, that gives them an opportunity to move forward with two superstars that neither team clearly wants. And it also gives those franchises an opportunity to kind of start over and rebuild. I think Chicago still has a weird Derrick Rose taste in their mouth that they're trying to get rid of. They thought Jimmy Butler might be the uh, might be the answer. Not so. We've seen Indiana have runs where they looked like they were the second best team uh, to whatever team LeBron was on. Then that team kind of fell apart. Not so. So you're looking at uh, a bunch of teams and players that look like they're willing to part with each other, look like they're ready to part with each other. And if you're Boston, you have all the assets in front of you to kind of make that happen with either one of those teams. So maybe not either, maybe not Indiana, maybe not uh, may, maybe not Chicago, but you have all those draft picks for the next four years to where you can land yourself a pretty good player from either the Western or Eastern Conference. I love it too. I think it's actually what we're likely going to see attempted to happen I think the Jimmy Butler connection is the big one here. Jimmy Butler has been tied to the Celtics before. We know Paul George is tied to the Lakers. We know that he wants to go play for L.A. I think it's going to be really hard for him to agree to do a trade where he is going to probably have to commit to a long-term contract when the trade happens because he's only got this last year on the deal that he's going to go anywhere but the Lakers. Jimmy Butler seems attainable. Jimmy Butler has been attached to the Celtics before. And frankly, Danny Ainge has been trying to package picks to make trades for the last two years, and now he's just got a bajillion first-round picks to complete that trade. I know Jimmy Butler has had some issues in the locker room. We've heard that he is not exactly the best team player or that he separates the guys in the locker room a little bit. It goes against coaches. Uh, Brad Stevens is not necessarily a coach that I don't, I don't know if he's a guy who can control a personality like that. He seems like he is. He seems like he's one of the best coaches in the league and one, definitely the best young coach in the league. I just don't know if he could handle a fractured locker room like that because of a guy like Jimmy Butler. But they need to make that move now because they have so many picks. That they, it's, they're not going to lose much if they do it. They're just going to gain a very good player. Um, so if they do lose out on a guy like Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin or whoever, they can certainly make that trade and get a guy like Jimmy Butler in who is, frankly, just as good. All right. Uh, let's do a little NFL. Okay. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, my goodness, right? Like that – have you – can you think of a offense that was maybe – less exciting to watch last year than the Baltimore Ravens. Let's dump it down. Well, you might be Well, I mean, at least the Cleveland Browns had a good receiver last year. They had a good receiver. You know, Cody Kessler was better than expected, and they weren't dumping it off to their running back on every dang passing play. Boy, was it really rough watching um, 
the Ravens last year. However, they have recently acquired a Jeremy Macklin looking to make a resurgence, kind of maybe fill that Steve Smith role on the underneath routes and uh, looking to sign Eric Decker. That would give him a Mike Wallace, Eric Decker um, uh, type combo there on the outside and allow Macklin to work the slot. Love or hate, getting Decker would make, um, excuse me, uh, would have the offense go from dud to stud. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh my gosh. I'm gonna hate it. Uh, 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 Eric Decker, we still don't know what we're going to see from him. He didn't play most of last season. Uh, he did have the incredible year, uh, the year prior um, when the Jets broke the the record for a touch of reception touchdowns in a year between he and um, my guy that's in New York right now, Brandon. Brandon uh, Marshall. Thank you very much. See, I told you I'm terrible with names, but I don't know. I think Jeremy Macklin, he's a he's a a, a, a stretch guy. He's somebody who can definitely stretch the field for you, be a deep threat. Um, it never quite happened for him and. Um, uh, in Kansas City, um, a lot of which is because Alex Smith just does not throw it down the field like that. And um, we know Joe Flacco can throw it down the field. We've seen him win a Super Bowl, tossing the ball down the field. Make no mistake about it, Joe Flacco is still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. It's hard to talk about a team whose offense can't move. They haven't had a great running back since uh, they really let go of Ray Rice. I think Terrence West had a really good season last year, but he is no Ray Rice. Um, so you hope that adding a guy like Jeremy Macklin and you hope that adding a guy like um, Eric Decker could definitely change the way your offense looks, especially in this uh, in this AFC uh, what North? Where do they, where do they play? I keep forgetting. Is it the yeah, it's the yeah. AFC North. Yeah, especially in that AFC North that has an incredibly uh, competitive Pittsburgh. Um, who we know what their receiving core is going to be able to do, especially now that you're going to get Martavis Bryant back on the team for them. So I do think that they would be better. Do I think they would be more explosive? Or do what's what's the word that you used initially? Uh, dud to stud? Dud, dud to, to stud. stud. I think they'll be right in the middle. I don't think they'll quite be studs, but I don't think they'll be the duds that they were this season. I'm going to love it because... To me, I think people are undervaluing the guys like Eric Decker and Jeremy Macklin. I think they are still very good receivers who have been in interesting to bad situations the last few years. The Jets had an atrocious offense. They had Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the football. He had Geno Smith throwing him the football. He had Bryce Petty not throwing him the football. Um, and so, he was hurt most of last Yeah, he suffered the season. injury. Yeah. I know he's not a great wide receiver, but I think he's a very good number two-ish wide receiver. Jeremy Macklin was stuck in an offense that, as good as they may have been, I'm sorry, Alex Smith is your quarterback. I, and they went with the speedy kind of running back, catching passes slash Tyreek Hill, whatever position you want to call him offense, which left Jeremy Macklin out in the cold, plus he had an injury last year too. Macklin is a very good wide receiver. So if you have a stationary quarterback in Joe Flacco, and then you will get Mike Wallace, who is a straight speedster. You would get Eric Decker, who is a great possession receiver, and Jeremy Macklin, who can very much play in the slot. You go from having a mediocre passing offense to a solid passing offense, and I actually think that would be a very good addition for them. You just hit what I wanted to hear right there. All the different pieces that they have, they complement each other. They're not all proficient at the same thing. Yep. Uh, 
All right. uh, it depends on what they can do in their running game. If they can't move the ball, then you know where the ball is going to go. It's going to go to one of these mini receivers. I think running games clear that up for you. I don't know if Terrence West is the answer, but I guess we'll see. All right, one last one. I think this is one that uh, that Rashad might be a little bit passionate about. Oh. Um, Kevin Durant oh, dropped a hot take after the finals, throwing a little bit of praise towards Cavs point guard Kyrie Irving. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this I one? I don't. Let's hear it. Kevin Durant stated he believes Kyrie Irving is better than Allen Iverson. When it's all said and done, love or hate, Kyrie Irving will be thought to be the better player. Kevin Durant says silly, silly things. Um, we just talked a little earlier. I think Kyrie Irving is is a great player. Will he go down as a top 50 player of all time? I don't know. I don't think so. Will Allen Iverson go down as a top 50 player of all time? Absolutely. It's not even a questionable. Allen Iverson is one of the greatest ball players that I've ever seen for his for his height. The things he could do, he finished at the rim almost better than anybody we have, we've ever seen. His handle was incredibly crazy. On top of that, Allen Iverson got you six assists tonight. Something Kyrie Irving I think has only done once in his entire career. Allen Iverson would also get you a bunch of steals every single night. Allen Iverson took what a lot of people consider one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference at that time to all the way to the NBA playoffs and to play against the, the team, the Los Angeles Lakers, that end up running through the playoffs that year. That year, Allen Iverson led his team to the Most Valuable Player Award, the Coach of the Year, the Sixth Man of the Year, what year and the Defensive that? Player of the Year. That was in 2001. So, AI is clearly, he, he's a 26, 27-point uh, career average as a scorer, and this is the guy that's under six feet tall. Allen Iverson is one of the most fearless basketball players that we've ever seen, and he's also the most influential basketball player that we have may have seen over the past 30 years or so. He changed the way basketball looks. He changed the way it's played. He changed the, the, the way it looks aesthetically. So there's no way Kyrie, unless he steps his defense up all the way, unless he steps his uh, ability to pass up, there's no way he will ever be anywhere near what the great Allen Iverson is. This is why it's bad to go second sometimes yep. because I, I don't disagree with anything you said. How on earth would you ever call Kyrie Irving better than Allen Iverson? What are you thinking about Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is a great player, right? He's currently the best finisher in the NBA uh, at the rim. He's really good at that. But Kyrie Irving is not a juggernaut who leads his team to the finals. Kyrie Irving couldn't do that until LeBron came to Cleveland. Um, Allen Iverson, like you mentioned, when I was going to throw it out there in the 2001 finals, single-handedly brought the Sixers to the finals. Allen Iverson created a whole style of basketball. Kyrie Irving is playing basketball. Iverson was basketball Absolutely. for a time. Allen Iverson is is probably one of the most underrated players of all time. People love Allen Iverson, but they don't talk about him like he's that great. But it's not even a question who the better player is. Yeah, it's, so I mean, is. and look, Kyrie Irving has only been in the league for six, six years, years. And Iverson was in the league for... 12 seasons. Oh, even more than that. Oh, God. Math. Um, 15 seasons, I think it is. A little, maybe even more than that. I'm trying to count quickly. But um, we don't know the future of Kyrie Irving. But looking at the early six years in his career, Iverson was 10 times better in his first six years and, than and, Kyrie Irving was and, in his and first. And judging from these texts on the Bridgeport Beers text line, people definitely agree with the both of us. Like, Kyrie Irving is really good, but Allen Iverson was a game changer. So practice 
Hey, man. We talking about talk practice. practice. We talking about practice, man. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Practice, man. Come on, man. You got to do a little bit of like the, the grunge in your practice. Hey, hey man. It's so, practice. If you've never seen his, I don't know we have to break soon, but if you've never seen his documentary called Iverson, it's actually super cool. It's on Netflix. But, you know, the one thing they don't show about the rest of that interview is, man, his, his man had just died, just passed away, and he was doing some personal stuff there, which is why he wasn't at practice. But they don't ever show you the rest of that interview. Practice. You know, they only show you the part where he's spazzing about practice. And that's just kind of one of the things we well, it's as because media it's are the funniest part. It's I funny. Suppose. Yeah. And don't forget, AI dropped some of the fly shoes. Absolutely. I had the, uh, the questions. And I'm still looking for a pair of red tip questions. Just saying. Throwing that one out there, everybody. If anybody has a pair of red tip questions they want to just, I don't know, give to me, please go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't even want to buy them. Taking donations, folks. (laughs) All right. Sounds like Rashad won that one based on the last little points. I don't think so. You had a lot of them when we talked about the The Ravens. The Ravens, though. It was a come from behind victory for Rashad. (laughs) Woo! Oh, wait. That was, oh, sorry. Woo! There we go. Yeah. I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank my mom for having me. You know, I appreciate you. For giving birth. You know, you know so thank all the people out there to support me at TaylorMade503. Appreciate you all. Um, all right. Well, Rashad, you get to run the last segment. So since you get to do that, I will throw this in quickly. Uh, Oregon State won over Cal State Fullerton. Come back. They were down 5-1 in the sixth. Go one, beef. Six to five. Um, now that Luke Heimlich is not there, I feel like it's a little easier to root for the team again. I still don't know, as far as I know, I might have missed it, so correct me if I'm wrong. Still don't know what Oregon State knew when they chose to recruit him, but he is not there with the team in Omaha, which makes it a lot easier to pull for them. And uh, they move on to play LSU on Monday in the second game of the College World Series. So Rashad leads the final segment next. This is Sports Sunday on 1080. with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It feels good to be a champion. I love it. You know, I'm taking this opportunity and I'm going to boycott this song whenever I win. I don't want to hear this. I'd like to hear David Bowie's fame if I win. That's the song that should be played if, if I get a, a chance song. to. Huh? That is a good song. That is an awesome song. Though. Like if I ever, ever have an entrance to anywhere like I walk into a into like a bar or like a party I want my suit jacket to swing open like fly in the wind and then I want David Bowie's fame to be played in the background I'll be honest Lynch I don't have anything to talk about you brought up an interesting point that we were going to talk about and didn't get a chance to do it I'd get a chance to do it but uh, OSU bas- or baseball um, there you, there's your song there it is yeah this is just the chill. For the longest time, I had no idea this was David Bowie. Well, we don't need – I wanted to bring this up, and we got a break soon. So I don't – We Oregon State, good. Hopefully beat LSU on Monday. On the drive, on our road trip, I put my whole iPod, which has over 8,500 songs on shuffle, and a David Bowie song came on that I love. It was one of those – it came out kind of right at that time in my life where – I was learning about music. I think it's pretty regarded as like his worst album mm-hmm. ever, but I love it. And this is like the most unpopular guilty pleasure opinion. I love David Bowie's Earthling album because I, I don't know how many people know it. It was not highly received as far as I remember. 
It's very weird, but it has songs like Little Wonder, Looking for Satellites, uh, Telling Lies, uh, I, I, Law. I love that album. It's so weird. It's so like prog Bowie, more so than like pop prog Bowie. Because Bowie's always kind of like been proggy, classic rock. He just changes his personality and stuff. But that album, I know. I'll be honest, I've never heard it. It's weird. It's weird. But if you want to listen to it, go ahead. It's called Earthling. It's from 97. I, I was eight years old. That's like well, right when you, you start to discover music. That's probably why everybody thought it wasn't as good. You know, by 97, you know, I think Bowie had kind of lost a lot of the, of the, it's his luster to, you know, a lot of folks. I mean, I'm sure he still had those hardcore Bowie fans that were going to go ahead and support anything that he does. But I think by that time, you know, they were competing. He was competing with Hanson. You know, he <laughs> was different. He wasn't he wasn't going to win that Spice Girls was out. You know, he wasn't going to win that battle. But Hanson is a great song. You know, Mbop. That's a terrible song. I like it, man. It's it makes oh, me happy. No, no. It makes me happy. No. What? No. Jesse? You're just saying that because you look like one of the Hanson brothers. You got the same hair and stuff. Yeah. Man, you sometimes our, our relationship just. It's rough. It's an uplifting song. You should listen to it. I'm just saying, listen to the words. Listen oh, to the... I've heard it. Yeah. A billion times. There you go, then. You should know what I'm talking More about. More than enough that any human being ever needs to hear a song, at least that one. Umbop. I disagree. If you do like Bowie and you've never heard that album, I'm, I'm reading in the Wikipedia now, it says it actually received, it said it was not a commercial success, but it got a number of positive reviews, actually. But not a lot of people bought it because the songs were weird. It's weird, but it's also really good. There's something else that says David Bowie's worst albums to best, and the worst is Earthling. Where does it say that? I don't know. This is just an article oh. that I'm reading. The worst so. is Earthling. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that. I don't. It's just my opinion. It's just like my opinion, man. Okay. All right. I'll, uh, coming up next week, we will have plenty of NBA draft discussion to get to. What on earth did the Blazers do? Did they trade their picks? Did they make all three draft uh, picks? Did they make any picks at all what is the blazers future we'll have plenty to discuss next week plus more and i will be here next week two weeks in a row go me uh, enjoy the rest of your sunday though and have a very happy father's day to all of you fathers out there and uh, we'll see you next week omaha 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 this one's for pat Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.